0: Hey, thanks for joining us today and welcome to Activate Your Health. I'm Josh and I'm Kayla and we're back again to discuss all things health here in Allen County. And Today we're going to be diving in and discussing mental and behavioral health here in Allen County in our region.
1: So this is a huge topic, obviously thinking about mental health and behavioral health. Um, Sometimes when you think of the word health itself, you may not even think about your mental emotional health in that aspect. We're thinking about how active we are and how much sugar we're consuming, how healthy we are in our diet. And that's kind of what we think when we think of the word health. So at Activate, the last few years, we've been really trying to change that perception here in the community and also just with the work that Activate is doing, integrating more of those behavioral and mental health services into things like our challenges and our programs and how we're addressing things in the community and also our data collection. We've talked a lot about we really want to be in the community looking at data and how things are looking and how we can continue to track trends and barriers. And one of those main focuses is our mental health and the use of substances in the community and how our residents here are feeling on a regular basis. We know we've been through a pandemic here recently and the fact that mental health has kind of come to the forefront through that pandemic because we're seeing residents who may not be classified as having a mental illness or have severe concerns that are requiring a lot of counseling and support, but just those everyday highs and lows, those monthly, those daily things that we're all going through on an individual level, I think more than ever now have really come to the surface. And I think mental health, again, has risen to a huge need in our community to really be addressed.
0: Yeah, you can't separate physical health from mental health anymore. And uh Your mental health impacts your physical health. Your physical health impacts your mental health. And so, like Kayla said, Activate Allen County is trying to keep mental health at the forefront of all our discussions and our programs and policies. And we're real excited to dive into that discussion a little more greatly and in more detail with our guest today, we're pleased to have with us today, Tammy Colon, the Executive Director of the Mental Health Recovery Services Board of Allen, Auglaise, and Hardin Counties. We want to get started today diving into what exactly is the Mental Health Recovery Services Board of Allen, Auglaise, and Hardin County. I think there's a, a little bit of confusion sometimes when people hear the term, the Mental Health Recovery Services Board, or just the board, and what is the Mental Health Recovery Services Board, and uh, you know, what do you guys do?
2: Well, by the Ohio Revised Code, the local mental health and recovery services boards in each county has to have a board of authority who's responsible to be a direct representative of mental health and substance use needs for their community, to engage with partners for system needs, planning, development, ensuring that all individuals are served and are able to have their mental health and substance use needs met. And so as that agency of authority, we receive the state funding. We receive the federal funding. We also receive our local tax levy dollars. So we're the organization through our county collection that take those local dollars, which oftentimes don't have any strings attached to them, right? That's the beauty of the levy. It really does allow communities to identify what their local needs are and allows boards to seek partners in establishing services that meet those local needs. So with all of that funding that we collect, our responsibility is to contract with service providers and make sure that services are available in the communities.
0: Give me an example of some of those service providers that you do work with.
2: We work with... Behavioral health agencies, we have a relationship with Coleman Professional Services, we have a relationship with UMADOP, we have a relationship with SAFI, Family Resource Center, Cornerstone of Hope, I mean, several, and we're always in the market to increase our relationships with community providers. I don't think I need to tell you that we're in a healthcare shortage when it comes to behavioral health professionals, and so no longer... Can we just rely on the public behavioral health system to meet the needs of our community? But it's my responsibility to really go out there and nourish relationships with private partnerships as well to provide services to the constituents in our community. So those are relationships. We have a relationship with the We Care Regional Quality Housing Recovery Housing Organization, and they do a phenomenal job in making sure that anybody either within the public system or outside of the public system that needs recovery, housing has access to it. So,
1: As we move through this pandemic, what can you tell us about what has changed or what have the needs been throughout the community as we have gone through this last year of the COVID-19 pandemic in terms of the mental and behavioral health services?
2: You know, when we were established, the Community Behavioral Health Board's We were established really to develop services to take care of those high-end needs community members who are oftentimes in psychiatric hospitals, who need supportive housing, who need case management and, and intensive wraparound services in order to live their best life. It has changed over the course of time, and the pandemic has definitely expedited the change that we have a significant number of people who are not severely mentally ill, but they are suffering, Mm -hmm. right? Our youth are suffering at levels that we've never seen before. We have the aging population suffering at levels we've not seen before. We have our minority population suffering at levels. And so we've really had to change our service delivery while we continue to take care of those very complicated high-end need patients. We've really had to change our service delivery to meet all constituents from birth to death who are suffering from anxiety, trauma, depression, separation, that's been a change in programming.
1: What kind of changes have been made? Have you had different partners that have come to the table to help with some of those more immediate needs? Like you mentioned, it's not the severe cases that we're seeing really right now. We're seeing a lot of folks that are normally potentially very mentally healthy, but this pandemic has really shifted, you know, how they feel and how they see themselves. So have there been more partners that have come to the table, or what have those changes been?
2: Yeah, so our partnership with our schools has improved tremendously. It's had to, right? We know our youth are suffering, and they've been doing an amazing job in supporting the programming we have, identifying programming they'd like us to deliver, allowing our providers in their school buildings, encouraging their students to participate in services that are available online, We're now working with schools to go to some universal screening so we can really do some data collection and identify our high-risk students in a way that doesn't individualize them and embarrass them. We've also had to increase our relationships with our aging services, our senior citizens, our Council on Aging, because we have a lot of individuals who are in home, unable to see their family, Mm -hmm. which, you know, at some point in time, that's about all you're living for, Mm -hmm. right? And then you no longer have access to them. So we've had to go to some phone services for that population with a new organization who are reaching out by phone to take care of them. And, you know, we're in the employer space, right? Really trying Mm -hmm. to get in front of our employers who serve a large number of adults in our community who are still functioning. They're still at work, but they're struggling and they Mm -hmm. have struggles and they don't know where to go and they don't know how to get help. And so we're really trying to improve our relationships there.
0: What do individuals out there in the community, if they are struggling or looking for assistance, how's the best way for you know, average Joe or Jill to get connected to services if they do need some assistance?
2: They can always go to the board's website. We're there, wecarepeople.org. We have our Hope Line, which interestingly enough, I just spoke with a young lady yesterday and she was like, no, 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 I don't need the crisis line. And I was like, it's a crisis and an information referral line. So they are really meant to help you as well. We have our 211 system that we partner with and we're we're really trying to make sure they know our resources. A lot of businesses, employees don't know they have an EAP program. So, you know, reaching out to their supervisor and saying, hey, what is offered through our insurance or our EAP? And then, Business leaders who want to take care of their employees can also reach out to the board because we have programming we'd love to take directly to them and their employees. It's very complicated because if you have insurance, you got to go one route. If you don't have insurance, you're in the public system typically because um, you need financial assistance and taking care of yourself. So I would just say our website, if you're with an employer there, the Hope Line, and hopefully... At the end, you can always call me. And at,
0: and at any time, if anybody is feeling, though, that they are in a crisis, they can call 1-800-567-HOPE for media assistance, correct?
2: A- absolutely, mm-hmm. and please do. And if you um, are uncomfortable having the conversation by phone, they also have the text line, and they also have a 24-7 walk-in service.
1: So, yes, please use those numbers and have them available to you in your phone. I think is a good idea for people who... May come across somebody in their conversations, or need some need to pass that number along to have that readily available. You had mentioned the EAP programs as well that our employees have. I want to go back to that because we do have some exciting, some new things that we're working on as um, as you partner with Activate and also with working partners and ENI, which is an EAP uh, provider. We've been working on some um, a program that we are piloting to the community. So I wanted to touch base on what that looks like and how we're working through some of that.
2: You know, I used to work in the public system, so I had an awareness then, and then now as the board director, it's very clear that many folks who have insurance are coming into our very complicated and expensive public behavioral health system for care because they can't afford the deductible, they can't afford the co-payment, and because we are shortage with professionals, they can't get into care quick enough. Working with large organizations has been challenging because they have corporate offices and they run their show the way they want to, respectfully, and I appreciate that. But we, we took a look at our community and recognized that we have a lot of midsize and small businesses who are really employing a lot of our local constituents who need care. And because they have a reduced administrative staff and because they're on a reduced budget, they are oftentimes not offering EAP services to their employees. They're offering health care But what EAP brings is free counseling sessions, free financial counseling sessions, sometimes legal services, sometimes concierge services. I mean, it really is across the board. But for me, what I looked at was, is it more efficient for me to work with an employer and allow hundreds of employees that they have have access to an EAP program with 10 free counseling sessions compared to serving those employees in the community at full cost at 10 free counseling sessions. And so, with doing that, it became very obvious that if we can get EAP services to our small and mid sized companies and really educate and encourage employees to take advantage of those because they're situational based. So, it's 10 sessions per situation, not for a lifetime, not for a year, you know, but in life is very difficult right now for people. It also opens up the network for providers, right? You join an EAP, you don't have to use just local provider so if you're someone like me in counseling i don't want to be seen Mm -hmm. locally right i want to travel to columbus or dayton or toledo or if i have a special need in my family i want to take them outside of our community so that they can have that specialized treatment available to them and that's what this new initiative is going to bring yeah you know our goal is i think 2700 employees in this community in our first year will provide eap services to through their employer we'll pay for it We'll have a navigator who will educate them and help them get connected to those services and hopefully build a healthier employer. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so I think that local navigator that you've mentioned is going to be a huge asset to our local companies, our small and mid-sized companies, who, again, like you said, don't have those resources and don't have the time and energy it takes to sometimes navigate a very complicated system. Once you make that initial phone call, you you kind of get into the weeds there. So having that local boots-in-the-ground Navigator, I think will be essential. So if you are a business who Mm -hmm. potentially wants to think about joining our EAP program and becoming a partner with us, you can always contact the board, Tammy or Josh and I, and we can start having those conversations with you because that is really exciting that we can bring that service to the community in a way that is helpful but also at a great cost. We are wanting to see if this is actually a benefit to the community and collect that data and determine how we can move forward as partners together.
2: Yeah, and it normalizes it, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody else is using an EAP, so allowing it to be available to other Mm -hmm. members normalizes the use. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that does go into the stigma then Mm -hmm. because there is a large stigma around mental health services, behavioral health services. How have you seen that reduction? Have you seen a reduction, I guess, in in the stigma of that um, here in our community?
2: I think I've seen a reduction in the stigma towards individuals who have major mental illness and major substance dependencies. I think there's an understanding that these are diseases, that they are not all a result of an individual's choice of behavior And even if they are, at some point in time, the body acquires a defect, and therefore it must be treated oftentimes with medication, but it definitely then is no longer in the person isn't responsible for the symptoms. Where I still think we struggle with stigma is understanding that because people are in a moment of depression, for reasons that are justifiable or, or in a season of anxiety or just experienced something and they are traumatized and they're impacted and they're being affected and their um functioning is being affected by it. I think people still look at one another and say, just pull up your bootstraps and get through it. And some people can and some people cannot and we never know who the person is by looking at them. So that stigma that we place on our communities that we should be able to get through these events I still struggle with it I still think there's a disbelief that our youth are being impacted in a way that's insurmountable and really probably not measurable at this point in time this is going to be a hindsight measurement by our recent life events by the public by the media and we can see it already trajectory upwards and they're not getting the sensitivity and the support from the community that they deserve. It's like, well, you should be happy. You don't have to be to school. Who's complaining about not going to school? Well, there's a lot of things that happen when you don't go to school mm-hmm. and they're not all pretty. While I would say in summary that I think we have a sensitivity to people who we recognize are very sick, we are still challenge to have some sympathy and empathy towards people who are just experiencing something Mm -hmm. uh, and allowable and justifiable and shouldn't be judged by the next person standing by them.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, Tammy. Do you have any suggestions for people that are interested in increasing their own personal sense of empathy, uh, willingness to put themselves in other people's shoes and what we can do in our own personal lives to help break down those walls of stigma and to be able to have these conversations openly?
2: Yeah. So we offer training. We offer like mental health first aid training. We offer QPR training. And those are all trainings that give you a little understanding about people's thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, because we want to make it a mental illness or, you know, whatever it is we want to say, but really it's how they're functioning. It's how they're thinking about the world. It's how they're feeling about the world, and it ultimately impacts how they behave in the world. So understanding why they're having that thought and versus judging it, just accepting it and appealing to the emotion, oftentimes is all people need. So, yes, there are trainings out there that can educate you on mental health. There's trainings that can educate you on substance use. We're willing to take those trainings in any environment that will open their door, right? (laughs) And PASS, Prevention and Support Services, does an amazing job getting mental health first aid out there. And we have ambassadors now out there with some of our minority work that are taking that into business owners and also taking it into our religion communities. And so... An email to me or anyone else, you know, again, employer wants it, it's there. We're gonna make it available.
0: That's a lot of offerings. So, once again, if a business, an individual, would like to connect with the services and offerings of the Mental Health Recovery Services Board, please do not hesitate to call Tammy. She will get you lined up with the right person to connect you with those services. When you think about the Mental Health Recovery Services Board, there's so many different programs, initiatives Mm -hmm. that you guys are funding. If you could leave the community with one thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about the Mental Health Recovery Services Board, what would you really want people to know about what the board is and what you guys do?
2: I've been trying to correct language when Mm -hmm. people say it's free because there's nothing free. All the services, while you may be able to participate at no cost to you, you're paying for it as a taxpayer. You really are in charge of the services that we make available in our community, and your voice is important, and I'm working for the community. And because there are so many programs and providers, the easiest way to know where to go is to reach out to the board. And that's my job, is if you present an issue, we make sure that we get you connected to where that issue can be resolved. But again, it's knowing that you're in charge of this, that I'm a steward over the funds, but I'm responding to what the community leaders and the uh, individuals of our community are saying we need here. The biggest challenge that we have right now isn't money. And I hope I can say that in five years. But today what I'm going to tell you is it's not funds. I mean, the federal government and the state have invested a large amount of money in trying to help us attend to these effects that people are experiencing from our world today. The challenge is providers. It's having enough staff to do the work. And so we're having to really learn how to work efficiently, as well as effectively, but serving large numbers of people at the same time because we just don't have enough providers to serve our community. And so I know that's an issue, but I still like to be reminded of it. But I want the community to know that we're aware of it and that we're working really hard to try to identify how to recruit and retain qualified staff in our area.
0: I'd like to go back to that point because you had mentioned that earlier in our conversation that there isn't enough, what, social workers, mental health professionals in our community. What can we do to help recruit more people into the profession? We need, what, childhood psychologists? I think there's one in the county. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, we need the whole gamut.
0: And so how do we encourage young folks to look at this as a profession for them? How do we increase the wages for social workers, protect social workers in their professional lives with their credentials, where a lot of people say they're social workers, but they're not LSW or MSW, and that's a real issue in our community when we're talking about filling these positions. So are there scholarship programs or anything to help folks take that next step in this profession to kind of eliminate this problem?
2: (laughs) That's a loaded question. I do think that our local Ohio means jobs in our counties are doing a good job trying to get into the high schools and do early intervention and encourage career choices and where career availabilities are for people, right? And we're a nationally, we have a mental health and substance use shortage of providers. Getting funding for college is not an easy thing to do, like when I went to school. And if you don't have the credit or your family doesn't have the credit, to sign for those loans for you to go to school, which are astronomical. I don't know how a person who genuinely is interested in serving their community, but their their family may be poor, right? May not have a great credit history because all they've done is survive all day long. Now they've got to try to get into college and, and afford it. So that's a challenge. I don't know how to solve that challenge. I think that, you know, we need to really create a culture that, I mean, there's amazing people that have gone to school here and they leave, right? And we have to create a culture that folks want to stay in Lima and continue to serve Lima.
1: We've had these conversations with other guests on our podcast, I think, talking about some of the things that are happening downtown and the fact that in order to keep and retain our young people, we do need to continue to focus on their life outside of work and how we can continue to build up our parks and our downtown and our recreation activities and what we're bringing to our city. I mean, continuing to speak of Lima as a good place to live and to work and to be. That's part of all of our work here as professionals in the community, as we all live here and work here and desire to see Lima, Allen County continue to thrive and keep people. So I think that's part of our job is to continue to sell our city and continue to work hard to improve our city as best we can. So I think those are all great points and very valid as we move forward.
0: And the work's not done. You know, that's no. what Activate Allen County is partly here for. Right. The, the, the board and, and so many other folks in our community are trying to make us a more livable community. So I think as we continue to make <laughs> Lima the place to be, that hopefully that will help with some of that recruitment. And
2: I think, too, I was having a conversation with an individual yesterday that's important as is- People are trying to escape the community that they experienced the trauma in, right? So as I'm really trying to figure out how to recruit and retain minority professionals, it's difficult because here's where they experienced. And as a child, when they were helpless... And even though they're going into a community who did the same thing to those children, they didn't do it to them, and they're now an adult, and they feel a lot more in control of their life. So it's really, we have to work to try to ask people, despite that, what you experienced here, because it's in all communities, can you stay and help us fight it so that the next generation doesn't have to?
0: That's a great point. What a great way to bring us to our last question. So we just want to ask you a little personal question. What do you do personally to relax, to support your own self-care, and to handle your own behavioral and mental health? What, what do you like to do for fun?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a camper. So I go camping at the lake. And I have already done that once this year. So that's how excited I was to get out there. And uh, I go camping. I have an amazing supportive family in Pennsylvania where I grew up. I return home to often to spend a lot of time, get away, be nobody, you know, just be who I was, yep. you know, back in the day. And that refuels me. And then I come back to Lyme at a powerhouse through the needs that we have here.
0: Well, that's great. You know, I'd encourage everyone to follow Tammy's lead, get out and connect with nature. I also love camping and uh, we recently purchased the camper. So you're Ooh, preaching yay! to the choir here. Yeah. We want to thank you, Tammy, for all that you're doing in our community. The Mental Health Recovery Services Board is a real asset to Lima, Allen County, All and Hardin County. And so once again, just on behalf of Activate Allen County, thanks for all the work that you're doing. And thanks for joining us today. Yeah.
1: Thank you. And you're welcome. It's becoming nicer out. It's May. We're hoping to see more sunny skies and great weather. So we have some things coming up that we would definitely need some volunteers and some people to get involved with. One of those is our bike and pedestrian counts. We have many volunteer opportunities available for those. This is the time when we go to different places in the community, different intersections, different parks, a wide variety of locations, and simply count the number of bikers and walkers and pedestrians that use that area within a two-hour time period. So it's a very simple volunteer job, just simply counting folks and turning in that information. This is valuable data for our community as we look at infrastructure changes and crosswalks and the usage of our parks and just our streets and et cetera. So we would really value any volunteers that have some free time during this month. You can contact Josh here, or message us on Facebook or call our office in order to get more information about how you can get involved With our bike and pedestrian counts.
0: But it's a really fun volunteer opportunity. It gets you outside connecting with our community. You'll see a lot of interesting people using active transportation. So you might be counting people on rollerblades or on skateboards, definitely on bikes and definitely uh, walking. So, like Kayla said, we could use all the volunteers that we can for that program. So please, if you can give us a couple hours, please sign up. Another great opportunity that we have is starting here at the beginning of June, and that's with our downtown farmer's market. So we are needing volunteers every Tuesday from 2.30 to 5.30 to help conduct some data collection at the farmer's market, get people registered that want to use their EBT cards for purchasing some items at the market. The best way to get signed up for that is really just to contact Activate as well. You can give us a call or uh, send us a message on Facebook and we'll get you registered for that great opportunity as well.
1: And even if you cannot volunteer for the market, we still need your support to be at the market to purchase from our local vendors. So every Tuesday, starting June 1st, from 2.30 to 5.30, our market will be in front of the Civic Center this year on Main Street near the roundabout. So you'll be able to, again, access all of our local vendors, our produce, our baked goods, our honey There's just a lot of people here in the community who rely on these types of markets to support their business. So we would appreciate anyone coming out on Tuesdays. We'll also have some fun kids' activities throughout the summer. There'll be events and things taking place at the market for young and old. So the best way to get up to date information on the market is to follow them on Facebook at Downtown Lima Farmers Market. You can give them a like, and that way each week you can be informed of what's going to be at the market, what special activities will be out there. Coming down on Tuesdays would be a great way to spend a Tuesday afternoon and supporting our local vendors as we want to get our local folks and local resources out there.
0: We also want to remind the community that spring sports leagues are in full effect. Summer camps or registrations are being taken place for the City of Lima and the YMCA. So now's the time to get your children connected to summer activities. Don't wait. Make sure that you get them signed up. A lot of folks did have to miss out on some of those great opportunities last year. So we just want to remind folks to take advantage of all the great opportunities that are available to us in our community. And then lastly, Activate Allen County has a great announcement. We have a new employee that we'd like to welcome. We have our new South Jackson site coordinator, Lise Williams, is our new Activate Allen County employee. So we just want to welcome her. We want to welcome you to participate in the South Jackson Community Garden Program. If you live in that neighborhood, if you're new to community gardening, and you'd like to participate, please reach out to Activate Allen County. We'll connect you with Tula Say and help you get your own plot started. So we just are so excited to have her join the team and want to say welcome to Activate Allen County.
1: Yes, we are very excited for the summer and all the things that that brings and all the people who will be outdoors and checking out our parks and checking out our downtown. So just please continue to support our local parks, local restaurants, and look for those volunteer opportunities as the weather gets warmer. It's easier for us to get out and about and do things safely. And we are really hoping that that is true for this summer as we move forward forward. So thank you again for joining us today. And next month, we will be having Johnny Appleseed Park Director Tyler Black on to discuss the wonderful parks in our region and state. We have so many to offer, so we will be talking to Tyler all about that. So we hope to see you again next month, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Bye.